0: hey man how's it going good man how are you how's pretty everything? good pretty good we were actually talking off 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 camera well not camera but off recording um about some stuff that is going on with you in your life and i thought yeah. you know what it's actually quite interesting let's bring it in let's bring it in the recording
1: okay so <laughs> yeah, for sure
0: so let's let's circle back to five minutes before our conversation and go to um so you were telling me that you started a master's program and you were telling the story of how that that happened
1: yeah, um, for sure. So, well, I was in touch with uh, one of my professors ever since I gave my final for that course, which I, if you remember, I was with you. Yeah. Um, I, I was taking it with you last year in like April and yeah. I spoke to the professor and he was interested and he actually followed up over email as well. And he's like, oh, like, you know, would you be interested in doing research or a few other courses on the side? And I think I discussed that with you as well last time. Yeah, yeah, because um, because it's always a good idea to take some courses, um, take some courses even after you graduate because they're going to help you with, they're going to help you with your um, graduate applications. Uh, right. If you have a gap here, you can take one or two courses, put them on your transcript, and that's going to be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take that route, um, but I I spoke to the professor, I met with him a lot, I read on his research, uh, etc. And eventually, around November, that's when the time came to apply. So I went ahead and applied, got a bunch of references, and all I had to do was wait pretty much until March uh, when I got my, when I got my admission and when I got my, I guess, offer from University of Toronto. So right now it's a master's in physics um, that I'm doing at the University of Toronto. And what I'll be researching on is with Professor Barth Netterfield, who is a pretty well known Canadian astronomer. And what he does in his lab, and the cool thing is, he actually has his own lab. So it's a whole building that's dedicated for him. It's not an office, it's not a room, it's not a lab space. It's a whole building at the University of Toronto.
0: Um,
1: I think it's a two story building that is his. So at the ground floor, it's sort of a lab. Or huge space, a lab space, and then there's there's computers and stuff upstairs. And what he does is he creates telescopes that are as that are trying to be as effective as Hubble, but at a cheaper cost. That's his ultimate goal: to create um, accessible telescopes, accessible space telescopes. Um, And then what he does is he launches them into space on balloons. So he goes to Antarctica, um, Sudbury or Timmins, Ontario. Uh, There's also New Zealand um, where he goes and then he launches them into space. He's trying to be as close to the North and South Poles as possible. And um, what he aims to do is he aims to do similar research that can be done with Hubble, but at a much lesser cost because you're doing balloon based astronomy. So, you know, you don't have to pay for thousands and thousands of tons of jet fuel to get the telescope up like hubble and yeah. then maintain it with the international space station
0: yeah well that's that's super interesting um so what what got you i mean i, I know you wanted to do some sort of uh, grad
1: school a program but what got you to this specific program what what happened <laughs> i will be honest i will be 100% honest i wasn't really planning i i never thought that it would that i would be doing this last year yeah. um especially when we were finishing our undergrad degree i well i was finishing my undergrad degree and you're about to finish it too. But when <laughs> yeah, we were taking the courses then yeah. and uh, when i finished my last final or i think it was my second last final with you
0: yeah for undergrad, like
1: yeah i thought you know what this is it like i'm never gonna touch physics ever again because <laughs> if you remember correctly that week was probably the toughest week of our lives i i oh, i remember <laughs> it was those was classical mechanics yeah. at um at at what time it was i think 9 a.m 9 a.m to 12 p.m and yeah. then the next day we had electro uh, electromagnetism
0: yeah
1: from 9 a.m to ten nine a.m to 12 p.m and then we had a one day break yeah. and then we had general relativity
0: yeah not not um, easy courses yeah
1: <laughs> Not easy courses at all. Again, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Yeah. Um, and I honestly thought, you know what, this is it. Like, I'm done with everything related to physics. Yeah. And I wanted to, and then I worked in the cloud computing uh, side of things. So I, I worked for a company called About Extreme. And what I did with them was I helped consult for cloud-based solutions on Microsoft Azure. And I helped build them as well. Um, so I helped build chatbots, knowledge mining applications, more so towards the AI, uh, more so the uh, applications that, um, that use AI or yeah. more specifically Microsoft's own cognitive toolkit. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I was hoping to go more into that field. And I did look into some masters, but to be frank, I didn't have that much guidance at that time with me. I, I didn't know which one to go for, which one would be best. And I accidentally applied for a research-based one. And the problem with that is that you need to have, it's, it's very helpful to have a computer science background if you want to go into a research-based computer science degree. Yeah, That was sort of my mistake. Um, but I did apply for a master's in physics as well. And I thought about it. I thought about whether it's a good idea to do it or not. And it is a one-year program. Mm-hmm. And if I still want to apply for other graduate degrees in computer science or data science or artificial intelligence related fields. Mm. And I can still do that while I'm finishing up a master. So if, if I'm going to start next year, if I'll have to start a master's in computer science or data science or something next year fall, then might as well get a master's, get another master's um, <laughs> over with it because it's <laughs> not going to hurt. And it's oh. a research based master's. So the coolest thing about research-based masters is most in most universities uh, in Canada, they pay you to do it. So you're not paying anything out of your pocket. Your tuition yeah. is covered. And on top of that, you're getting money for being a TA, you're getting money for being a research assistant, and you're just getting grants. So that's one of the best things about, about research-based degrees. And this is applicable everywhere around Canada, at least. Um, for whatever research-based degree you have, whether it's a PhD or master's, you're going to be getting funding for it. It may not be obviously as much as you would get if you were doing a job or whatever, mm-hmm. but I mean, look on the bright side—you're getting a degree out of it.
0: No, of course, um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, that's a cool, cool, cool story because we've been in contact through you know text messages and whatnot, but we haven't talked for probably over a year now, um, yeah, or so and um at least a
1: more comprehensive talk right?
0: yeah least. like exactly like uh catching up and stuff anyways so so it was it was a it was a shock to me because i <laughs> i thought you're you're working for that company um that you were talking about cloud solutions <laughs> <I think>. right
1: <coughs> the funny thing is i actually might still be um oh yeah I'm, I'm still debating on whether i should keep it part-time or not because um because of two main reasons one it's always important to get work experience and um even though this summer was kind of light for them because of COVID. So there weren't that many projects coming in Mm -hmm. um, because our, our main clients, the company's main clients are uh, cities and governments in the United States, city governments, state governments in the United States. So they've been more focused on COVID fighting COVID and they're less inclined on doing the projects that we had in pipeline. I see. But now new things are coming up and it's always exciting to work on these projects. that's that's one main issue. Uh, one main that's one main reason uh, because there are upcoming projects. And the second thing is um, to you know further enhance my own learning. Um, there's new things again coming up uh, within Microsoft. Microsoft is releasing new products, mm-hmm. and technology is a field where if you're not on top of it, you're gonna fall off the ladder very fast. Yeah. So it's it's always better to be on top of it, know your stuff. Um, They still pay, they still help with certifications. The company helps with certifications. So it's always better to um, get new certifications because they also expire. Microsoft certifications expire every two years. So it's always good to have certifications stay on top of things so that maybe when the master's is over, um, if I don't want to pursue physics, then there's always this option of um, this option of uh, cloud computing and AI. Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's true. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And uh,
1: that's good thinking. Um, yeah, thanks, man.
0: <laughs> no, that's, no, that's true. Um, anyways, so we also had something else in mind. Actually, we had entirely something else in mind to talk about, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's fun to talk about different stuff, too. Um, you have some interesting thing going on, which you actually got featured on a cbc article i believe if i'm not mistaken yes um uh, so you you like travel i think a yep. lot of people do <laughs> and you travel you go around you get their currency and you know like in, on the currency there's typically a picture of something usually yep. a monument um a lot of times a monument and you go there with the currency and you take a picture can you, can you do you want to explain it better than i did what, <laughs> what you do exactly yeah, for sure and, yeah. um, uh,
1: so um a lot of a lot of uh, listeners would probably know that what a lot of, a lot of different banknotes and a lot of coins, they occasionally have places on them and that's representative of the country's identity. So if you look at the United Mm -hmm. States dollars, um, they'll have different government buildings on them. The five has uh, Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial in DC. Uh, The 10 has the U S treasury. Twenty has White House, fifty has the Capitol building, and then hundred has the Independence Hall uh, in Philadelphia. And you know that's the same for a lot of other countries as well. They occasionally put a place in the country um, on their banknotes, just as representative of their own identity, representative of their own culture. Um, and what I've been doing, uh, this is a project I actually started about well, it's gonna be it's gonna be nearly five years. Um about five years back. And uh what I wanted to do was I wanted to travel to different places with that with currencies of those places. So it could be uh, where I'm from, I'm from Pakistan, so I could go I could go there um for Canada, US, and other places as well. Uh because a lot of currencies have places on them. Mm. So I I made a plan to go to those places, travel to those exact spots that are on the currencies of those countries and then take pictures over there um, and it's been five years I think it's I've taken more than 35 pictures more than 35 at least and wow. over the course of yeah over the course of five years in six countries if I if my math is not mistaken
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you got
1: it. you got it nailed down yeah <clears throat> um, well that's interesting so what
0: inspired you to do that
1: that's that's always a funny question because a lot of people ask that Yeah, And I feel like part of me feels like, should I just make something up that I can say, which will sound cool? Because honestly speaking, there's nothing cool about the inspiration. Um, All I know is like back in, I think five years ago around November, 2015, that's when I went to um, this place called Mohenjo Daro, which is in Pakistan. It's, um, it was part, it was ruins from the Indus Valley civilization, which is one of the three, oldest civilizations in the world Mm -hmm. um, apart from the Egyptian. And I think the Mesopotamian. Um, So that was actually based in around Pakistan and there's a very big river in Pakistan called the Indus River. it was based around that. And I went there and I remember um, when I was growing up, I always saw the specific picture in my textbooks in school and also on the notes. Um, and I always thought about, you know, what a cool place that is. It's, it's basically ruins, 5,000 year old ruins, uh, or, uh, and you know, I, I want to go there and travel and see, th- and see those ruins. And I always saw them on the back of the notes. So when I went there, um, I was finally able to go there on a family trip. I went there and I asked the tour guide, I had an old 20 rupee note, which actually has its picture on it. Mm-hmm. And i went to I went to the tour guide, and I was like, "Hey, where was this picture taken? He took me to the exact spot and I took a picture of it, and then what I did was um I put it up not just on Facebook and stuff but also on reddit um, uh-huh. because I thought this is something pretty cool. people would appreciate it and it people did people liked it a yeah. lot uh, it was received very well, and I thought, you know what this it's probably a really good excuse to travel uh, to different (laughs) places in Pakistan, at least at that time. At that time, I was just thinking of Pakistan. So I thought, you know what, I should maybe do this in Pakistan. I I get a really good excuse to travel to different places and the pictures would come out pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of where it started. Um, I've always thought about, you know, I should make a cool story. I should just make it up and then, put that version out there but <laughs> the uh, what I mean, origins you... aren't that amazing
0: no no look um it's actually pretty i don't know what you're talking about it's actually pretty good uh, it's a very good <laughs> story and coming about at a younger age when you thought about this is actually i think a very cool story um on its own and uh, beyond that i think nothing mm-hmm. nothing beats the or the honesty the, the originality and the the truth and honesty of the story yeah as boring as it sounds i think the fact that is origin that first of all it's original so it's not somebody else's thought or somebody else might have thought it um on the other hand because it's truthful it's genuine i think that has a lot of value to it personally that's uh, it doesn't have to be extra sexy actually now not to get to cultural issues but maybe that's that's one of the problems with our uh, culture, especially the online culture these days, because everybody wants to make everything extra sexy and
1: that's true. That the that's simplicity, true. yeah.
0: Sometimes I mean, simplicity it's... is actually the sexy part.
1: That is very true. Yeah. Instead of you know making up something big and you know, and a story that could have any, that... that could have so many holes and stuff like that, it's always better to just stay simple.
0: Yeah, and it's, yeah, no, I I completely loved it, and uh, don't don't sell it short. <laughs> <laughs> it it is more interesting than you think it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> um okay so so that's a cool cool story now that gets us to currencies so i know you have interest in technology we actually talked about it today mm-hmm. and there is a degree of okay so that those are like uh government-backed currencies now obviously those are the paper ones
1: mm-hmm. saw,
0: uh, all the t- i mean always we, always we're backed by those but we also are removing them from our uh day-to-day interactions more and more and yeah not. Technology Progresses towards credit cards Or debit cards Or basically becoming electronic Which um, loses a little bit of touch So I think you're bringing out A little bit of nostalgia there too um, <laughs> to, the, uh, to, the, to the people who have um, Forgotten what, what their dollars currency Or whatever looks like. currencies look like Yeah,
1: You know there's a funny thing about that I was, I was meeting up with a friend of mine um, A few days back And we were speaking about this project And stuff because I met him after a long while and he, uh, he was telling me, uh, well, I said, he's actually from China. So I, I said, oh, maybe I should go to China next and, uh, and take, take pictures of uh, Chinese currency. Yeah. And he laughed about it. He's like, good luck finding one. Oh, because China has basically moved on to digital currency. They have, I think, WeChat and Alipay. I think those are the names, if I'm correct. Um, but what they do is they—it's all digital payments. They have QR codes. They just scan their—they uh, just scan those QR codes so they can pay whatever they, whatever amount they need to pay. Mm. And you know, if I'm paying money to you, if I'm giving money to you or anything, that's over WeChat as well. And it's such a streamlined system that they've made um, yeah. that they no longer have to use paper currency at all. So he was laughing about that, and that resonates with what you said because so many people are just. You know digital they're into digital banking there's no more paper currency anymore there's no more paper currency because i mean why carry it around why carry so much of it around in your wallet when mm. you can just put one card and that accesses all of your money at once right
0: yeah yeah no that's true <clears throat> and it makes a lot of sense um but 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 you're adding that value uh, uh, on a artistic and social level i suppose to, to your work, which is, which is very interesting. Do you have, do you have, uh, what are the next plans? Do you have any, any plans, uh, now like concrete plans to go next uh, country (laughs) or whatever?
1: I mean, how can you make it? How can anyone make any concrete plans? Well, actually that's true.
0: That was a stupid question we're living (laughs) over there. I I totally forgot about
1: that. (laughs) It's a a very tough, uh, time to create concrete plans. I mean, I've done (laughs) the countries I've completed are, um, Pakistan, which is my home country. Um, the U the US, Panama, Canada, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates. Mm -hmm. And um, funny enough, Oman and the United Arab Arab Emirates, I've only done a couple of their notes, not all of them. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was only there for a very short time. I think I was in UAE for about like 15 hours. And I was in Oman for about like 10 hours. Was that, um, was that a layover or something? That, those were layovers, pretty okay, much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I've been doing is, um, uh, I occasionally travel between Canada and Pakistan often, mm-hmm. if if I'm if I want to go back home, um, meet family, etc. And what I've always been trying to do is trying to find cool layovers. Um, so usually I fly through the Middle East, and that's, that's sort of um, that's sort of a normal. Because there's lots of airlines that connect through the Middle East and or through Turkey or through other countries or through Europe. So what I try to do is I try to find a different layover where I can not only visit a new country's airport, but also stay there for like 10, 15 hours. Um, A lot of airlines, what they offer is they offer like two, three hour connections. And then they also offer a 15 hour connection. And usually the 15 hour connection is much cheaper because so many people are just hoping to get to the airport, stay there for one hour and then get on their next flight and go. But instead, what I try to do is I try to find like a 15 hour layover or a 20 hour layover so I can actually see the country. I can go out of the airport, get an excuse to see, um, yeah. see places. And along with that, what I do is then I exchange some, uh, exchange some money to get their own currency. I, well, I do research before to see which notes should, would make sense. And then what I do is I, um, I, I try to see which notes would make sense, which notes are within reach of where I am. Yeah. And then I get those notes from the currency exchange at the airport. And then I just try to go to those places and that's sort of how i've done it pretty much for most of uh, that's how much that's how i've been doing it recently um yeah. with the layovers i've also done canada there's a bunch of places within canada sorry before you go ahead i have to oh, yeah. add something um for those
0: people who complain about the boringness of layovers get creative people this is, this is how you
1: <laughs> how, how you make it worth your while All right continue that is that is very true i mean i (laughs) i love layovers because they'll give me an excuse to you know go around go travel yeah um for sure i know a lot of people for for a lot of people it may not make sense yeah Um, maybe they're in a hurry to get back to get somewhere or something and they just hear the airports. it could be a variety of reasons or they're tired but i personally believe that if there's a layover i should spend it Um, traveling or, you know, looking at different things, make the most of it. This summer I was going to travel via Turkey, uh, via Turkish airlines. And I had the option of a five hour layover in Istanbul or a 25 hour layover. So I opted for the 25 hour layover, which was actually much cheaper. Of course. Um, So I both saved money. And I talked to the airline and this is something cool. A lot of airlines will do this for you. They will give you a hotel room and they'll cover your visa costs. Uh, they'll cover your visit, transit visa costs mm-hmm. as well. Free of cost. Um, Turkish airlines was doing that. Turkish airlines gave a free hotel, uh, free hotel f- for one night, mm-hmm. which is very cool. I mean, I just, I just go there and they'll take me to the hotel they'll give me a free hotel and then I can just go and visit. Um, I did this with Emirates as well. When I was traveling with Emirates, I had a 15 or 16 hour layover in Dubai. And all I had to do was just apply online. It takes five seconds. And when I get to the airport, they give me me a hotel voucher and food voucher Mm -hmm. and a couple of food vouchers. So my food was covered they gave me a free hotel and they gave me, uh, they transported me from the hotel to the airport and airport uh, and uh, airport to the hotel. Mm -hmm. And this is all for free. And it's not something you need business class for. These are economy class tickets. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, You, you were, you were going on to, uh, sorry, I took you off a tangent, but you were, sorry, originally you were going off to talk about your experience in Canada and what you did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for Canada, the current notes, are not uh, super indicative of different places in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, number uh, the $5 note, uh, which you might've seen has space on the back um, has the international has actually the Canadarm. That is something that Canada made. It's on the international space station. It has that. So I think that's kind of tough. Um, <laughs> the $10 note has Jasper national park. That one I've actually done. I did that last year. Um, And there's a train going through Jasper National Park uh, in Alberta. The $20 note has a memorial. It's still a place. It's still a building. But that memorial is actually in France, interestingly enough. Uh Um, And then the 50 and 100 don't really have any specific places on them. So what I've instead been doing is I've looked at older notes in Canada. So there's the old $1, old $1 notes, old $100 notes. A lot of old $1 notes are in Ottawa. They have a lot of uh, government buildings on them. Um, and the old $100 note was in Lunenburg, which is in Nova Scotia. So I went there last winter just on a road trip to take a picture over there. Um, now, there's another one that I took, which is the newest note for, of Canada, which is the new $10 note. Oh. And I went to Winnipeg um, just for a two day trip. I was able to find a really cheap flight uh, out of Hamilton, Hamilton to Winnipeg out of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to find a really cheap flight. So I went on a weekend trip over there. And that is the one when you started the call, when you started this uh, podcast, um, that's the one that you were mentioning because that was the one that was featured on CBC. Um, so CBC took note of that and they said, Oh, Wow. <laughs> Someone came to visit Winnipeg from Toronto to take a picture. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, <laughs> We've never experienced uh, Yeah, something like that. And then we're okay, so like, oh, to, we should feature him.
0: Yeah, a little bit of caveat for anybody who knows anything about geography of Canada, and especially in the wintertime. I, suppose. I don't know when you went there. Was it winter? Or I think it was winter because I can see some snow there. Or there's some snow. Anyways. So <laughs> point being... Uh, It it it, like you from Nova Scotia to you know the Winnipeg they have nothing in common like there's like you have to go out of your way to go there it's not like you're having a layover in Istanbul or Dubai or something it's a a completely Mm -hmm. different game um, uh, ball game so uh, just I have to add that caveat for people who are not
1: yeah and they're and they're far like yeah now that's what I
0: mean like province
1: where Toronto is it's Ontario and Winnipeg is in Manitoba and they're both bordering each other. But the problem, the biggest problem is Toronto is so far south in Canada, as opposed to other places in, uh, in Canada, like Winnipeg, Al- um, in Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, they're very far up north. Toronto is very far south. Yeah. And it was a two hour flight just to Winnipeg itself, <laughs> which is mind blowing because you're going north, you're going north, uh, northwest a lot. Yeah, um, But it was pretty cool It was a fun trip um, My flight got cancelled on the way back Which was very fun as well
0: Oh,
1: um, But that gave me more excuse to, You know, travel Me and my friend, we decided to go to Saskatchewan um, okay. Just to the border of it And funny enough Now that I'm remembering it What we decided to do was We had a rental car That we just extended one more day And we said, you know what It's a four hour drive to Saskatchewan Which, going back to your Canadian geography Um, has nothing in it there's nothing in it's a whole province with nothing in it yeah it's it's just in the middle of canada it's it's just land there's nothing No, i don't think anyone even lives there um (laughs) and it was just a four-hour drive just to the border of it and the border of it um believe it or not there was nothing there it was just a sign which said welcome to saskatchewan so we took a picture with it just to prove that we have been here and then we went on a four-hour trip back to Winnipeg, and on that four-hour trip back to Winnipeg, my friend drove, and I decided to, um, um, I decided to finish my application for my physics master's, and I submitted it that night, while I was somewhere on the road between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's 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 pretty cool, um, and I, I, I'm actually trying to figure out how much the province. Like the population of the province, but I, for some reason I'm failing. Um, I think it's—I um, don't
1: know if it's the city of a population. No, there's a city called yeah. Saskatoon, and there's two major cities in Saskatchewan: yeah. yeah. Saskatoon and Regina. Yeah. But the population of Saskatchewan—I'm find. Out. Oh, is, I think it's—it's it's, it's one million.
0: Yeah, it's a gigantic province with one million population. <laughs> I think it's—it's it's, uh, it's the. I don't know if it's the biggest. No, 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 it's not the biggest. Um, like on the map, it's definitely smaller than Ontario, Quebec, even British Columbia. But it's close enough to Alberta. Maybe a little bit closer, smaller than Alberta. But point being, it's still a lot of land there, <laughs> and the entire population is like one million, one point one. <laughs> um, just just to you know confirm your
1: um. Oh yeah, density is there's one. Uh there's one point eight six, so basically two people per kilometer squared. Yeah. So if you if yeah. you create a box that is a kilometer wide and kilometer um that is just a each each side of the box is a kilometer, which is a very big uh number. There's only two people who live in there.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a very big house for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 versus Ontario, if I'm correct, the density of Ontario is 15 people per kilometer squared. Right,
0: right. So oh, that's, oh, that's that's
1: the, a huge difference.
0: Yeah, that's like um, seven folds almost. almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, seven point five. Anyways, hmm. um, uh, yeah. What? Well, <clears throat> let's let's move on a little bit because we wanted to talk about. Um, we, we got to. Uh, you know, more uh, com- uh, computerized digital currencies, not mm-hmm. necessarily digital currencies in terms of cryptocurrency, which we'll get to. But um, mm-hmm. So we talked, to, we talked about technology coming into disrupting really anything, everything, um, and currency being one of them um, for, for, for many reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But now that, that naturally brings us also to the realm of cryptocurrency, which, well, what are you going to do? cryptocurrencies don't have monuments on them printed on it that they don't print them um but joke aside what are your thoughts on the digitization of currency and maybe even um you know distributed currencies such as cryptocurrencies bitcoin what have you do you do you have any uh, interest in in them do you read about them
1: yeah i do i do a lot um and i I think it's very interesting, not just from an investing perspective, but from a practical perspective. Um, <laughs> well, investing
0: can be practical if you do it, right?
1: <laughs> investing can be practical, but it yeah, comes with its own caveats, true. especially investing in cryptocurrency. It's a very risky thing to do. Sure, And you could, you could probably just lose a lot of your money um, if you invest uh, without thinking or without, you know, without the right tools, without the right resources. Um, If you do that, then you're going to lose a lot of money in crypto. But I was talking more so the practicality on the practicality side of things on the technology behind it, Um, how they've made something open source um, and decentralized. They've made something which no one can touch and change. No one person can go and then touch and change. Um, It's cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and those things. They, their ledgers, their um, records, their everything, they're, they stay with the people. There's no one person who controls everything. And I think that's, that's a beautiful aspect of di- digital currency because it's, its power comes in its numbers. If a yep. lot of people use Bitcoin, then it's more strong. There's more, I guess, records. There's more copies of everything um and that technology can then be applied to so many different things it can be applied to contracts um blockchain can be applied to um supply chain logistics uh, to ensure nothing is changed to ensure there's uh, to ensure the right tracing of um of materials that people are getting of food and so many different things um but just from a currency standpoint um this is a very tough debate uh, because a lot of countries, a lot of banks are against this because this is against what they've been doing throughout, throughout, uh, I guess, throughout the start of humanity or throughout the start of banking, at least because right. the main essence of a bank and a central bank is in the name. It's centralized. Yeah. And if you decentralize If you decentralize money, if you decentralize your own local currency, then how are you going to achieve anything Um, in terms of, you know, regulating power, regulating finances, Mm -hmm. making sure money doesn't go into the wrong hands? You know, the wrong may be a subjective word, but there's so many different things that come in with it that I personally believe it would be a bit tough to move to it altogether, Mm -hmm. in my opinion.
0: By altogether, you mean like
1: removing the
0: central banks and the central, the the regular currencies of countries? Yes. And making it the dominant.
1: Okay. Yes. But with that, um, I also think it is hard for them, the centralized banks, to completely remove cryptocurrencies. I mean, a lot of, a bunch of countries have made it illegal to have them. I don't know which countries that, but I remember there were a bunch of countries that said it's illegal to trade it or have it even. But they're not going anywhere either because they're a force to be reckoned with. They're they're not they're not just something small which banks can say, oh, that's illegal, get rid of them. You know, um, they're like I said before, their strength comes in how many people hold it, and I think that's going to be increasing day by day. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who wanted to transfer money uh from i think it was from the u uh, no from um yeah it was from pakistan to the u.s and she was asking me um what's the best way to do it and whether she should wire transfer it whether she should western union it or something else um and i looked at the fees and wire transfer fees were more than fifty hundred dollars she would have to pay uh, Western wow. union fees were around that probably even higher uh, that she'll have to pay. And that's a huge chunk of your money that they're taking. Yeah. But I suggested, Oh, why don't you just buy crypto over there? Um, over the counter crypto, which is, you're just paying someone money and they transfer cryptocurrency to your wallet and then you just transfer that crypto to whoever you need to send it to in the U S. And that takes wire transfers can take two weeks. Western union can take like at least a day or two that can take like five seconds, maybe a bit more, obviously be based on, um, based on how much you pay for the gas, etc. so many different things, but it's still less than, less than a day. You can get money from here to there and then they can just sell it over the counter or cash it out or they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can just easily transfer money using crypto as well. So I yeah. think it is a force to be reckoned with. Um, what banks would need to do is figure out what's the middle ground here. How can they right. incorporate that into their own systems, into their own, um, into their own platforms? Because funny enough, the weakest, the, the 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 point, the place where digital currencies are weak, is the fact that some people can't trust them because they're decentralized. So they're like, oh, then who's going to be taking, who's going to be, you know, handling it, who's going to be in charge of dispersing it and stuff. So there's no trust there. But on the other hand, people have started losing trust on, de- on central banks themselves um, because yeah. they don't make the best policies. So it's, sometimes it's just better to have something decentralized. yeah
0: that uh, that does make sense um, uh, so there is definitely i mean as with a lot of things there's there are weaknesses and um, strengths and obviously one of the um, strengths of cryptocurrencies is the mobility of it et etc um, also just just uh, to uh, close that loop of legality so the, the three countries that are definitely illegal there's like there, there are some countries that have greater areas but in Algeria, Egypt, and Morocco, is outright illegal. Um, mm-hmm. Just for closing that loop, and there's yeah. like a lot of other countries that are like somewhere in between. Um, yeah, meaning some restrictions, but generally speaking, it's legal, etc. So, um, yeah, we can put this in the notes and
1: Yeah, know, for sure. But, so now there is something interesting that I um, that I came across, and I worked with. Um, I worked briefly with with the team behind it um there's something called uh ubi this is just very generic there's something mm-hmm. called ubi universal basic income yeah and this is something that has been debated in a lot of countries attempted in a lot of countries in a bunch of places at least um i think germany is trying that out uh, right now just giving universal basic income to some of its citizens um, Andrew Yang
0: is making a Andy lot of noise. Yang
1: about was <laughs> making that a big, the biggest point of his presidency. Um, there were a couple of places, I think, in Canada that tried it, if I'm if I'm not wrong, uh, a while back. And there's um, I can't get much into the details of it, but there is a com- there is a there's a consortium um, uh, that is actually based in Canada that, that is trying to get together a lot of UBI experts from around the world and work towards creating a global UBI, which is going to be, at least their aim is that it's adopted throughout the world and everyone gets a certain UBI per month, per day, per hour, per second. I mean, there's going to be one amount per month, but then that's going to be, or per week. And then you get that every second, of your existence um and that's going to be actually i think one of the smartest ways to go about it would probably be on blockchain um and that's something that that i came across um and i briefly worked with them on some of their um on some on some of the technical side of their uh project Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh, that's something that's very cool because now it's using blockchain using um using Utilizing blockchain, which is, again, the technology that's been brought forward by these digital currencies. Um, And that's where the practicality thing comes in. But now they're putting it into a very large scale where they're asking for global adoption. Um, Global adoption for it, Mm -hmm. which hopefully would um, replace the need for conventional currency. And create a global system where everyone can earn a basic income to live, essentially, to at least cover where they're living, to cover their food, to cover their health related things, which is I believe it should be a right for everyone. Everyone should be able to do that.
0: Yeah. So now the na a natural question, especially for a universal UBI being well, UBI has a universal, in it, but my point is being like around the world, not just contained in a country. Um, A natural question is cost of living and the value of currency, et cetera, it's completely different. No, assuming we're still trading regular currencies, not just the crypto ones. Um, There is a degree of asymmetry here that, um, so is the proposal of this team, um, by the way, can you, can you mention them by name? I don't know
1: if that's it. I mean, the name is Global UPI.
0: <laughs> oh, you mentioned it? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so is the
1: proposal
0: a fixed amount for every single person on the planet? Or is it different depending on assessment of what are your cost of living where you live? Um, by country, by city, by province, by, I don't know, what have you. Is there a distinction or is just a fixed amount? See, that's
1: the... Uh, the, the project is I believe in preliminary phases or I'm not hundred percent sure where they are in, whether mm-hmm. they're in testing or whether they're sort of just beginning to research on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I frankly do not know the answer to this. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have, would, do you maybe, have your own thoughts on the matter? Uh, the thing is, if, if it is a global currency and if everyone is, has sort of access to the same currency, yeah. Then there shouldn't really be a problem with cost of living. Well, I think I think there will be still. Um, two two folds.
0: One fold is that okay if we only adopt. Why this, would
1: my question is why would something be why would like a let's go to the Big Mac Index, which is something economists economists use. If there's a Big Mac in the U.S. for Let's say let's say the the UBI currency, the new currency for the mm. world, is world dollars. Sure. There's a Big Mac in the U.S. which costs one world dollar. Okay. The currency in Turkey is also world dollar. Okay. Why would the Big Mac there be less?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's a, so. That's that's the first fold of the problem that I was talking about, and that is as if that's the Okay, if that's the, the dominant currency traded, uh-huh. sure. Well, their,
1: their goal is to have world adoption of this. Okay, so, so that will solve the. So it would give way to, yeah, it would give away, well, digital, not digital banks, central banks would give way to this currency to come yeah. in and the main essence of this currency is to make sure that it's secure and no one person would be able to access uh, everything and change everything because that compromises the security of it. Yeah. Um, So if there is, um, again, like I said, if there's a Big Mac for one US dollar, uh, one world dollar, then wouldn't the same Big Mac be one world dollar somewhere else? Because there is no other currency to base it off of. Yeah. So where would the cost of living, how would the cost of living and stuff be compared? Well,
0: you, when you're talking about stuff like, I don't know, franchises or something. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. That makes sense. But if you're talking about, for example, cost of land, well, that definitely, certainly has differences as you do within a country. Let's take Canada, for example. Yeah. Obviously, the price of homes in the heart of Toronto is completely different than say Saskatchewan. That was what uh, we were talking about, right? Yeah. So, sure. so, in that sense, I mean, you can argue that the cost of living within the cities, also, with, sorry, within the country is also uh, yeah. different, which is a reasonable That's question. That's
1: based on demand, uh, exactly. Demand and supply. That's, so, that's yeah. not really based off of, I mean, what the currency is doing, but it's more. No. It much no, more so there's more space here, more people want to live here. Absolutely. Those places but, are going to be worth more.
0: So the land was an example of a commodity, or 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 something that would have different values depending on where you are in a country, and more importantly, in a world, right? Mm-hmm. So that has this certainly has different, different. Many things have different values in different places in the world, and that alone can co- perturbate the cost of living by a lot, depending on which part of the world you're living. The basic cost of living, let's say, like yeah. a shelter basic food, water, clean yeah. water, energy,
1: now, et cetera. I, 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 get, I get the question that you're, I get what you're saying. Um, and I agree that other things could be worth more, other things could be worth less. And you're right. There's places in Canada right now up very North where food is so expensive. Exactly. Because they have to transport it over there and get it over there. So the cost of living over there is high. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree, with you. I agree with what you're saying. That cost of living can be, different because of these reasons but the thing is that the ubi that i mentioned sure it it, it doesn't aim to fully cover everything in your life Fair enough,
0: yeah of course because if it
1: does that then yeah there's no motivation to do anything even though that's a completely different debate with ubi motivation
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's more so meant as a cushion for you in some places i mean you could move to saskatchewan and you may be able to live comfortably on a UBI yeah. because rent there may be cheap food. There may be cheap. Um, I mean, they're farmers. (laughs) There's a lot (laughs) of farms over there, but everything may be cheap over there. So you're, you might save money uh, with the UBI, but where it says if you're in Toronto, then if, if you're getting a certain UBI, you may not be able to cover all your expenses with that UBI. You might still have to work, but I guess that's just the, that's that's how this is, that's how everything should be because i mean if 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 you're going somewhere else if you're going somewhere where there's a very there's very little demand for something then things should be cheaper
0: yeah
1: if you're going somewhere where there's more demand then things would ideally be more expensive that's the main essence of um, of sort of a capitalist environment
0: yeah more no, demand I
1: mean- equals more money
0: no, absolutely. That, that does make sense. My concern was, and you're right within a country, et cetera. So the, the difference that I was imagining is that the Delta within a country, uh, is much more marginal than a Delta currently, at least in the, in the whole world. Like if you get mm-hmm. the highest value and the lowest value cost of living in different parts of the world, the Delta mm-hmm. is much larger than within one country. Um, Okay, that actually to be argued depending on the country you pick, but yeah, uh, but for for most of the world at least, um, but I suppose if you and part of that comes from the the big delta around the whole world, perhaps comes from the fact that the currencies have different values. Maybe if you actually do flatten out everything and everybody adopts a common uh, currency, at least as a dominant currency that they trade in. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the rest of the currencies will be eliminated completely, but they're not the main one, at least. Then maybe there's, yeah, maybe there's a degree of flattening this, yeah. um, this delta and make it a little bit smaller. Um, that could be argued, I, I don't know, but that was, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what I was imagining.
1: No, um, yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying, but like I said, it's not something that is meant to replace everything in your life. Sure and give you access to everything you want because that's going to lead into way many more problems because then everyone has access to whatever they want for sure. Um, But it's more so a cushion for you to at least live your life, to not starve on the streets, to not uh, to have your basic necessities, at least covered Mm. um, wherever you are. You could be in Toronto. You could be wherever. And obviously for the economic system to grow, people would still need to work, people would still need to create a living, there would need there would be innovation around the world. Mm-hmm. And none of that is in danger because of UBI.
0: Yeah. yeah. no, that makes sense. Um I mean obviously these topics, especially the UBI and cryptocurrency, ha- have endless span and mm-hmm. we, we can spend hours and hours talking about them, which we may at some point, but <laughs> we've come, we've come a, uh, a long way. I think we, we've done almost one hour right now. So, yeah, um, I think it's a good place to, um, uh, you know, close the loop on everything. Do you have a? Do you have anything you want to add to summarize?
1: Uh, your no thoughts on that. Think, yeah. not so much. I mean, I agree. Um, this is a good, this is a good point uh, yeah. where to where to pause it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be way many more discussions about UBI, and I'd love to, you know, have more. Yeah of course. Um, as and, i as i research more on it. Exactly. No, I think uh, about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Uh these discussions are obviously always uh fun to have and a lot of times constructive, helpful.
1: Yeah. Um
0: and yeah, I enjoy talking. Uh, yeah, same
1: here. It's really good. It's always a great it's always a great time discussing all these cool things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um okay. So, we'll put uh your information in the show notes too but do you want to tell people where they can find you online
1: yeah for sure i mean i'm uh you can find me on instagram uh which is paracha explores uh, that's p-a-r-a-c-h-a-e-x-p-l-o-r-e-s um or you can also find me on linkedin uh, which is imad paracha that is e-m-a-a-d and last name is paracha p-a-r-a-c-h-a Um, if you want to talk about anything regarding the currency project which is going to be more on my instagram or more about physics or ubi or anything like that Um, and i'd love to talk more
0: yeah that's awesome as i mentioned obviously we're going to put this in the show notes so anybody who didn't get that they can go and look it up there thanks again amat it was really fun talking to you thanks man see you soon